You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 439, the big quiz, bigger than ever, TV personalities as self-appointed mentors, and is it the end for the confrontational political interview? That's all coming up after Martha Reeves and the Vendellas and Heatwave. almost unbelievable to say that was from 1963 uh, Martha Reeves was 21 and indeed a former secretary at uh, Motown it's a sort of breakthrough hit for Motown it reached number four on the Billboard Hot 100 from July 1963 Martha Reeves and the Vandellas and Heatwave what a brilliant song that is it's it's instantly sunny isn't it whatever the weather when you hear that it is it is just glorious it makes me glad to be alive that music I think as does that rather lovely video that you sent me to accompany Yes, that's right. When I said what uh, tracks I was choosing this week, I sent Juliet um, a brilliant uh, black and white video of Martha Evans and the Vandellas performing Heatwave. I totally recommend it. It's on YouTube if you want to find it. It's fabulous, yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast from the Parish Council. It's episode 439. I'm Terence Stackham. And in this post-Brexit world, let's check whether she has the right to remain. It's Juliet Harris. (laughs) 
<laughs> hello. Yes, I'm here for as long as uh, as long as they'll have me, which might not be very long at all. It turns out, but anyway, hello everyone. Now for our um opening item, the big quiz. Um, it, it's now so widely celebrated. It really should be renamed the gigantic quiz, or even the behemoth quiz. Mm, indeed, indeed. Uh, this is this is where I ask you, the listener, and you, the Juliet Harris, uh, to identify five songs on a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, you get one point for identifying each element of the theme, and a bonus point for each artist you identify. Lovely. This week, Jules, all the songs are weather-related. Oh, in nice. Their type. Mm, it's a meteorological link. Mm-hmm. To each I, I, I... Well, this feature has lacked science so far, so I'm very pleased that we can now bring in bring in some more weighty topics. So, five songs in 30 seconds. We've got one artist there uh, at least uh, 50 years before you were born. So you'll do mm. very well if you get anywhere near 10 this week. Uh, five weather-related uh, songs, Jules. Well, so first of all, I think the artist you might be referring to, um, we had A Cream um, and Sunshine of Your Love, I believe. There, I thought that might be outside your comfort zone. But mm. you- I, I have a, I have a mother who was uh, who was 16 in 1969. So actually, I'm reasonably yeah. good on some of that 60s rock because that was her era. Um, uh, secondly, the gloriously camp it's raining men by the Weather Girls. Oh, two ticks there, four out of four. Uh, th- thirdly, we very kindly Rihanna's offered us the opportunity to step under her umbrella, which is lovely of her. I'm sure Ella, you agree. Ella, Ella, yes. A A A. Hey, indeed, the unexpectedly scouse backstory of Rihanna coming out there. Number four, though, this is the one you see. I thought she she was this was recorded sort of fifty years before you were born. Yes, but it does come from a fairly iconic film, doesn't it? So that is Judy Garland and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I think, although actually, it's a common misconception that that song is called Somewhere Over the Rainbow. In fact, it is just called Over the Rainbow. Over the Rainbow, indeed. And uh, number five, not not too hard, I hope. Indeed. She's one of the patron saints of this podcast, yes. I feel. She gets fairly irregularly mentioned in dispatches. Indeed, didn't we have we had a we song did. from her the other week that I that I failed to get? How, we had done Dream of Sheep of... when we were doing Oh animals. yes, indeed. I could have also had Hounds of Love, if I remember correctly. Could, but yes. Indeed. This time Kate Bush is again on on message with the topic by uh, cloud busting. Oh, ten out of ten. Hey, hooray. Oh, I'm very pleased. Thank you ever so much. They were an an enjoyably ersat selection this week i must say there aren't many features where you go from cream to the weather girls to rihanna uh, to judy garden and back to kate bush that is a, that is a hell of a spread well done sir t what an extraordinary life judy judy garland lived uh, oh yes quite only turned 47 when she died and of course she died in london in a rented muse house um mm. round the back of harrods yes and um of course only 16 when she was cast in um wizard of oz's dorothy but um 
the end of her life was so sad because she I mean, it's well known she struggled with mental health medication and alcohol issues all through her life um and she was ripped off by managers agents hangers on those sort of people all through her life and so um she did this to, to try and make some money. She did this um, run at the Palace Theatre in New York, 27 mm. shows, a bit like Michael Jackson was planning oh, to yes, do over indeed. here. And there's parallels here because um, she did similar the, results, I suspect. Well, indeed. well, she did the 27 shows. She earned a massive $200,000, which would be millions in, in today's mm. money. But on her last night, tax and revenue officers turned up and seized everything because <gasps> she owed so much in unpaid taxes. Wow. So, <laughs> pretty terrible then she did a um she tried to do she did a run over here as we say parallels with michael jackson she did a run over here five weeks at the talk of the town in leicester square and um died as i said a few weeks later in a little muse house I mean, she um, did just really have quite an unbelievable life didn't she well, mm-hmm. well she had she had many lives i think and mm-hmm. The fact that she was only the age she was when she died. She lived uh, five people's lives in one, I think, really. I've yet to see the, the film with Rene Zellweger in it, but I understand it's meant to be very good. Oh, yeah, no, I haven't uh, haven't seen that either. No, I would like to see that. Coming up next, media personalities as mm. lifestyle gurus. <laughs> with, with predict- again, with predictable results. Yeah, That's right after Squeeze.
So I came across this tune the other week. It was previously unknown to me. Everything I've heard by Squeeze, I've liked very much. But I'd never never come across this until I watched a film. I recently joined the world. Terence, I've joined you and I now have my own Alexa. I, uh, I recently bought a fire stick for my television in my spare bedroom. Um, so that, well, not spare bedroom, my actual bedroom. But but I, I have a TV in my bedroom that, that's previously been sort of spare. And I, I bought this so that I could watch various things without having to get up, which is very much my aim in life generally, to do as much as possible without getting up, or even in this case, ideally out of bed, which is great, given it's January, or, or rather was January when I bought the fire stick. But anyway, I digress. So I found some various films on Amazon Prime, which I thought were interesting to watch, and I found this film um, called Some Voices, which comes from 2000. It's never been written about that much, I don't think. It's just a, a good a good little film, I think is how I'd describe it. it was, it's an adaptation of a stage play. It stars a very young Daniel Craig and a very young Kelly MacDonald, who was post-Trainspotting fame at this point, but does look very young in this, and David Morrissey. Um, it's an excellent film. I really enjoyed it, um, partly because unexpectedly it turned up on the previous version of Hastings Pier halfway through where the lead characters go away for a weekend uh, mostly filmed in West London uh, along what looked to be the Goldhawk Road I would say Mm. Um, and it had it didn't have much of a soundtrack it only used about six or seven songs but the songs it used were very very good and the theme uh, the, the theme that is used when, when Daniel Craig and Kelly MacDonald are in his flat is they dance to this tune and I'd never heard it before and I was really surprised by the fact that it was on their debut album I believe um, which is over 40 years ago now we're talking sort of 78, 79 I couldn't get over how contemporary it sounds it <laughs> sounds like it could have been made within the last year I think it's, it's, it's hugely ahead of its time I think in the way that Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles kind of was mm. in that you suddenly think oh loads of people are making this music now or sort of 45 years on I've, I've really enjoyed discovering that within the last week as well as the film itself which i would recommend they're a wonderful band absurdly they were lumped in with punk in the late 70s at the which time is, which is insane if you actually it. listen to their music isn't it it is i mean they, they, they the fact is they simply write and perform glorious pop songs um but uh, also the interesting thing about squeeze is they also rival the fall for most band member changes beyond tilbrook and difford um it's, there's a whole register of former mm. squeeze members but no great band and a great track yeah no say. really enjoyed that yeah uh, we're quite used uh, these days to people like marie kondo turning up and offering us advice on uh, an area that they've made their expertise it'd be hard to argue with marie kondo's suggestions for tidying up the home whether we actually take her advice or not um and there's a big smiley bloke called tony robbins who seems to have been around forever and indeed appears uh, to have made pots of money as a lifestyle coach and he bounds about on stage being all Mm. motivational an unexpected twist to the world of motivational speaking and lifestyle coaching is if we have a look at some of the people apparently without any qualifications who are setting themselves up as mentors mentors to us all um football followers in the uk will be aware of jake humphrey Mm. uh, former presenter on children's television programming now the host for he's he's some of bt sports football coverage seems a pleasant sort of fellow Mm. um but of late he's taken to appearing on twitter with a live stream in which he dishes out lifestyle advice and gives little motivational talks and i watch one this week where he sits in front of a a, a bookcase containing a set of Lee Child novels and Henri Charrier's novel Papillon. I don't know if there's any significance in this. 
Humphrey, though, doesn't just give basic advice to keep calm and carry on, that sort of Absolutely, thing. Absolutely, yeah. Breathe, he, all that he, kind he of stuff. He trundles yeah. on and on about how you could become a leader and exhorts people to follow his advice so you can get promotion in your job. It all seemed a bit weird, uh, to be honest. <laughs> though, it's the one way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, maybe his 150,000 viewers may very, very well disagree with me. Jules, you've discovered another unlikely source of motivational lifestyle in Enhancing advice. Yes, I I like you find this all to be rather mm. tedious. It has to be said. I think it's very telling that uh, these people are you say without qualifications. Mm. I would go further and say self-appointed personally. Yes. Who is who is clamouring? Who are these people that go? Do you know what? I don't know what to do about my life. I know who I'll ask. Someone that hosts the Formula One on BT Sport. I mean, it, it seems it seems a little <laughs> seems a little <laughs> peculiar, doesn't it? Really, is that there's a, there's a level of I, it, I, I hate to say this because actually Jake Humphrey was a guest on the Fortunately podcast and I didn't know much of him beforehand and he came across very nicely, I think. Um, and he said, did say he, he he came across as a bit more self-effacing than necessarily he does here. Um, he talked about the fact that he completely flunked his A-levels and... Um, and uh, you know was rubbish at school then managed to get fired from mcdonald's for not being very good and was generally kind of in the pit a bit and he said that he, he went on to sort of put himself up but he said that that every that with the first year that he kind of said he, he one year he basically said when they were announcing a level results oh look don't don't he did a clarkson but not quite as obnoxiously when he went look don't worry you know i i didn't do very well it just took me a bit longer to find out what i wanted to do in life etc it's not the be all or end all. yes it's disappointing but there is a way of finding your own path through life and he said every year now as people will go oh it's time for official jake Humphreys says everything's going to be all right if you're thick here or something and so so he did sound a lot more self-effacing on this podcast and he does here. I find it very odd that these um, these sort of famous people go, oh, well, I become famous in my own way, in my own life. So the fact that I myself personally have managed to become a success in my fields makes me really qualified to talk not only about my field, but about life in general to everybody. Do you know Gareth Malone, the, uh, the oh, choir yeah. master, yeah. that started off doing choirs um, and, and did a lot of choirs and he then went, did this rather peculiar series where he decided that he was an expert or, or held himself out to be some sort of expert in teaching young boys but not just teaching them how to sing so saying oh the curriculum is too, con- is too constraining um, I'm going to take them out into the woods and that's a much better way to teach people so so frustrating that he suddenly thought because he was good at one thing he could be good at many things and could use his platform to tell other people that they weren't there was something there's something quite irritating about Gareth Malone nowadays anyway I think I think people become get very in love with their own success and I think become a victim of their own success in that they suddenly you know they, they, they develop a high opinion of themselves um someone that seems to have done that here excellent piece by hadley freeman in the guardian talking about chris evans um al chris evans over here by the way in the uk the the uh, ginger head and he makes a, i'm not just saying this he his production company was called ginger Productions, so he very much holds himself out as this um television presenter turned radio well te, te, radio presenter turned television presenter to turn radio presenter turned television presenter turned radio station owner turned pub owner turned all-round um expert on everything it seems rather than hollywood's chris evans um he um <laughs> hadley freeman saying because truly no one is better qualified to give life guidance than a man who at 2000 in the age of 34 gave the then 18 year old billy piper a silver ferrari even though she didn't know how to drive enjoying that as a, as a kind of a gobbit there 
Um, he's now decided that he is a lifetime guru. Um, he uh, writes an article. Um, <laughs> he's uh, this from a man that has one of the most expensive car collections in the country has uh, gone on to say everything you really want you already had. I mean, there are elements of Confucius about this, and I find Confucius irritating enough, frankly, because but at least Confucius appeared to be an actual philosopher rather than you know some sort of a uh, some sort of radio presenter with a lot of money. Um, he also says we say. I hate it when people mm. use the phrase we. It's, I know you're saying this. Don't try and bring me on board by saying we. That's not going to bring me on board. That's going to really pee me off. So stop it. <laughs> anyway, we say, I am not myself today. But we, no, Chris, you never say, myself is not my I today. What can I say, Terence? Made you think. So, um, so, um, oh. Evans, Evans runs. Two million. So Chris Evans currently earns two million a year on Virgin Radio. Have you ever met anybody that listens to Virgin Radio? Because I haven't, and I'm no. 34 anyway. Counseling readers that they shouldn't seek to be enriched and find yourself enslaved. And our need to go on holiday is completely surplus to who we really are. Um, quite how this fits with Evans' instruction that in order to have a happy life, one has one must have at least two holidays booked at all times. Um, it doesn't seem to, isn't it explained? I mean, it's basically people writing a load of old rubbish who are usually, I'm afraid in both of these cases, entitled white men um, who are basically telling us, you know, because they happen to, and, and let's face it, success in the light entertainment world, shall we say, Quite a lot of it's down to luck and connections. Is, I mean, yeah. it's, it's not like perhaps other... And I'm not saying there aren't people in broadcasting that deservedly get careers because they're very talented, because there are. And there are lots of people who work really hard, particularly young people now trying to come up with lots of unpaid, um, unpaid internships. You probably do work very hard being runners and God knows what to start their career. And, you know, fair play to them for working hard to get what they want. I still do believe in that. Having said that, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes there is, if it's not who you know, there is just an element of being in the right place at the right time. I think there's a lot to be said about this with singers as well. You could probably, I'm just talking about, about a friend of mine who I think is an exceptional voice. And I think she's an exceptionally talented singer, sort of songwriter, acoustic mm. person. Um, you know, that you could pick, there are probably 10 singers. You could put 10 singers in a room who are all good as each other. I mean, I said, you know, she easily could have, been a Nora Jones or an Amy McDonald type you know you could pick mm. 10 singers that resist each other and one of them happens to have somebody from well in the case of Porter perhaps a bad example because I do think they are acceptable but the way exceptional but the way that Porter were discovered was that they played a bar around the corner from the later with Jules Holland studio where it then was in London and one of the producers or, or people that worked on the show happened to be in this wine bar watching them play and went they're brilliant they booked them when they were still I think just about unsigned on later at which point they then finalised their deal released their album which was dummy and it won the Mercury Music Prize the next year so so there is an element of good fortune I think and I think that people like Chris Evans and who did work hard in his early years and Jake Humphrey, who I suspect did as well, what they need, I think, to be slightly more self-conscious of, and we've discussed previously on the podcast, I hate the expression, check your privilege, but I think there is some relevance here. To some extent, you could do with wearing your success a bit lightly and being uh, acknowledging of the fact that, you know, to some extent, you're lucked out, guys. I mean, you're perfectly good presenters. There are lots of people that perfectly good presenters but either you had a connection which was lucky in itself or you just happened to an opportunity fell into your lap when it didn't fall into someone else's lap who was equally as talented that's not to say that people shouldn't celebrate their own talents but 
it just seems very strange to me that these people are holding themselves out as these kind of expert gurus it's better if you wear your talent lightly and kind of saying you know oh you know this is this is it rather than kind of saying oh you know i am famous and this is how i got famous and you can do this too maybe maybe you were lucky and maybe you would come across as a bit less of an a-hole if you kind of wore that a little bit more prominently, is my view. I think the problem with uh, a lot of these TV personality people turned into lifestyle gurus is that you get the feeling that they've read one book like The Road mm-hmm. Less mm-hmm. Travelled. And because they've had some sort of epiphany, albeit a prob- probably a temporary one, they feel obliged to share their new enlightenment uh, and their enlightened thoughts with the rest of us. And I'm happy for these people who have trodden the pathways of their own uh, roads to Damascus I just rather wish they'd keep it to themselves a little bit more that's 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 how I feel about it coming next yes but did you threaten to overrule him <laughs> is it the end for the confrontational political interview that's right after this excellent new track from Terrin Ector Give me, give me. 
hadn't been released uh, towards the end of last year on an independent label, that could easily have been taken as one of our Motown bangers. Oh, uh, absolutely. So. That was my that was my thoughts on that. It's, it's classic soul, except not from that era. I know. It's beautiful vocal. Terrin Ector and What We Got. Um, on the American political scene, it's very rare for a senior politician to get an, in, an intense grilling on television or radio these days. Mr. Trump, Mr. Biden, Miss Warren, mm. generally they prefer to reach out to networks that are sympathetic to them. And there doesn't seem to be any hunger for the 30 minute or hour long interview where a politician is left wriggling after being confronted by a well-briefed interviewer. Mm. TV and radio in the UK, though, has been almost the opposite to that, with a, a history of interviewers, Robin Day, Jeremy Paxman, Andrew Neil, uh, Emma Barnett, who have, over generations, put politicians on the spot, refusing to let them off the hook, as the as a perspiring minister for this or that squirms under the studio lights. Now, though, the outgoing director general of the BBC, Tony Hall, has criticised the very same BBC this week for what he has called, quote, a toxic discourse with political journalism aimed at trying to catch out politicians. So what do you think, Jules? Are you a fan of the politician being grilled alive in the hot seat or does Tony Hall have a point here? Well, first of all, I think it's it's very illuminating that Tony Hall decided to illuminate us, us with this attitude the day after he stepped down. <laughs> as a director general i have to say you know it might have been helpful if he'd had this attitude you know whilst he was meant to be doing his job that might have that might have perhaps had more impact should i say yes. is that what you're effectively saying is i haven't done my job very well for the last few <laughs> years that's 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 how i'm interpreting the fact that he's uh, interpreting interpreting the fact that he has brought that brought this to us now um in terms of what that that interview what that interview is what that means i stopped listening today for about two or three years because i i thought john humphreys was long past his point of usefulness and i thought he'd gone from genuinely and i think we talked about this on the podcast before genuinely getting uh, you know giving politicians the scrutiny that they very much deserve and very much need for all of us and for them as well to make better decisions i think the less scrutiny you're under the less likely your decision making process is going to be stress tested and therefore good in my and therefore robust in my mm. view he went from that was it they say about spin doctors you should never become the story and i mm. think that as a journalist you should never become the story either in the extent that i never could learn anything from john humphrey's interviews in the last two or three years because every time a politician got four words into a sentence he'd go ah and it's it's the gotcha <laughs> isn't it he would he would be you know but do you do you but answer the question it's like will you just let them answer the question if you don't like the answer then push back them but if they're trying to answer the question you were stopping them maybe you should be the change you want to see john humphreys and kind of step out of the way and let them answer it so so i do think that there is there has been a move towards people want there are you know journalists so we live it we live in a world where it seems to be harder to make your name as a journalist although there are more outlets in which to make your name it seems to be a more competitive industry than ever the traditional uh, sort of uh, press and the traditional print media is is if not a dying medium at least a medium under extreme challenge 
churches if you're trying to make a name for yourself online um there is we seem to be living in an age of so much information and so many different ways to consume things and i think this comes up quite a lot when we talk about ways of consuming music ways of consuming uh, sort of media tv that kind of thing it's almost impossible when you've got hundreds of hours on netflix to choose from what do you choose how do you stand out so i think that maybe that is driving um political interviewers and political correspondents to be more kind of controversial than ever to try and be the one that gets the story and that's not to criticize people like emma barnett who i think is very good but i think that maybe is a temptation to try and stand out for yourselves by you know making that kind of that kind of bash but the thing that annoys me about about tony hall's kind of thing there is that he's saying um you know oh we uh, um, we we have to consider our i'm a great believer in the long form political interview we can explore at length not in sound bites the real policy decisions that politicians are making mm. he said at an event in which it announced that they were cutting the, the victoria derbyshire show which mm. is a show on on bbc2 i think it is at the moment which i'm not often around during the day but whenever i've watched it i've learned something from it which says a lot i think and they've been you know really bringing to, to to like victim stories and they often break stories on there but it's not a sort of a it's i don't know how long it is it's either an hour or 90 minutes it's on for quite a long time and and they i see that as being a slightly longer form news program it's not a 15 minute bulletin and yet they are cutting that which i think is ridiculous i think that politicians need scrutiny they absolutely need scrutiny i wonder if there is a particular subtext here and this kind of continues on the conversation we've been having previously about the bbc which got a bit shouty but i think it's worth bringing this back here to say is the fact that tony hall's saying oh you know we need to be a little bit less got to with politicians uh, reflective of the fact that uh, the BBC at the moment is to, as a public broadcaster to some extent beholden to the government's goodwill it would seem and that the BBC is, is partly going through these cost cutting exercises it's having to do at the moment because it's now been told it's going to be saddled with the cost of free uh, TV licenses for the over 75s I really hope that this is a genuine kind of this is genuinely motive, motivated by wanting to have less heat less sort of shouting shouting matches that that produce a lot of heat but little light I hope it's genuinely that rather than and trying and trying to to, to to lower the temperature of political discourse generally which I think would be a good thing, and I think that if we were to try and to try and make make media coverage of political discourse calmer and more detailed, maybe maybe that would that would help drive a better quality of political discourse. I hope it is that, and not let's let's lay off the government in case they pull the plug on our funding. Yeah, I, I hope not. I, I wonder if people are, are a bit generally just a bit weary of the shouty interviews yes. and indeed those sort of aha moments. Yes, absolutely. Um, there are some politicians who are famously easy to catch out with aha moments yes. if you th- throw a few stats at them. And I, you know, I wonder, do we actually gain any further light by asking, uh, I'm afraid, Diane Abbott about the cost of deploying 20,000 uh, new policeman she doesn't know but what's the point what's the point in catching her out we, we know we'll know she doesn't know Absolutely. that doesn't mean that she's a useless person it just means no. she's, she's not very good at carrying stats around in her head that is, that's irrelevant almost but i am going to disagree with you um on one point Why there, not, that, eh? Let's do it. <laughs> those those sort of shows well-meaning campaigning well thought of like the victoria derbyshire show on the bbc that you mentioned bbc2 and and also relayed on the bbc news channel in the morning everyone speaks well of it it picks up awards 
no one watches it um, However, oh, can i just push back on you on that point i will let you carry on your sentence but actually something that victoria derbyshire has said herself was that when they were given their brief they mm. were given they were given three things that they had to do none of them was viewing figures one of them the one of the main parts of their brief was that they had to drive um or they were been told that their their aim was online content yeah, drive it was up not, the digital reach, yeah, yeah it was not and which they did by a huge amount they so they were not t- their, their brief they were told that it was but that their their main function was you know driving up the online kind of brief they did that so so they were told that that's what their function was and now it's been cut but if you go from 0.5% to 1%, you're driving it upwards, but it's still terrible um, viewing figures. In one uh, particular uh, show that she did, the, the viewing figures were so low they couldn't be recorded, and that's from the BBC's own um, stats. Uh, it's, so, it's, it seems very strange strange to me there seemed to be an odd kind of uh, well, presumably if they were told that they had to drive online content and, and drive online viewers that was presumably their focus rather than necessarily trying to, to yeah, drive mainstream there viewers. Are and they're degrees though i mean you know when when um you see that it trails behind every other show uh, that's on on the mainstream channels regularly throughout and um one um set of viewing figures uh, 38,000 uh, is, is they, it never gets more than 250,000 but often dips as low as 38,000 when it isn't a controversial mm. topic I, I think it does lead us to believe that we're likely to see a trend towards more I'm not saying it's a good thing because I, I think you're right that, that politicians in particular need to be tested but I think we are driving towards a trend towards calmer interviewing more Oprah style less Andrew Neil. it is a tricky one politicians may get away with more duplicity through that but paradoxically we may learn more too by the reduction in the shouting and the ahas well I, yeah I don't know who, who knows frankly on that unresolved note, I would say <laughs> um, thanks as always um, for listening. Um, very yes, thank you much very much. That was probably at the end. That was that that flu this week. Yeah, Absolutely. hooray! Thanks to Rona and Hilly for their help this week. And oh, as you've always, chosen such you. a lovely track to play us out, Jules. Ah, oh, you see, and I hope you'd like this so mm. so I, I very much went on a train of thought this week with my track choices um which was um which was the picking the goodbye girl from the uh, by squeeze from the film with kelly mcdonald in it which then made me sort of think about about sort of kelly mcdonald and what she'd been in and oh yeah she's a very good actress i'd watch anything with her and i think she's a real mark of quality um she and i thought oh, who was she married to she was married to somebody famous who was she married to it was a musician um I, the reason that i said this is, is because i was having a conversation with someone about the fact i'd seen this film and they said oh kelly mcdonald's always filming in hastings she they, the, the recent bbc drama giri haji um which was sort Ooh. of set partly in japan and partly here there were a few scenes uh, filmed in hastings and st leonard's uh, not far from where i live there's some very uh, brilliant shots which is obviously sort of bottle alley where 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 we where it's sort of uh, there's lots of it's very scenic they do lots of filming down there and um apparently it's not very far from my much beloved restaurant half man half burger which i would thoroughly recommend if you're in the area <laughs> and she and some of the crew were eating in there and they're very into their sort of music in half man half burger as a result of 
which their vegetarian burger option is called being caught stealing and <laughs> apparently uh, very good and apparently uh kelly mcdonald was trying to was trying to remember which the which band it was that did it I, th- I think she said um i can't remember what she said but it was very close it was another perry farrell band i think and and it turned out to be jane's addiction and then i thought oh who's she might because then my friend, because oh, they're married to it. She was married to a musician. Turned out to be Dougie Payne, the bass player from Travis, which uh-huh. then got me to, aren't Travis underrated? Why do we never hear about Travis? And I think, unfortunately, the rather melancholy answer is that their thunder was slightly uh, stolen by sort of Coldplay in yes. terms of yes. stadium filling, slightly melancholic, melancholic, tuneful pop rock. And people can only really deal with one of those mega famous <laughs> bands at a time. And I felt for Travis because they started off as a as a very rocky band. Their first album was extremely kind of brash in places. And then they moved towards slightly more thoughtful songwriting. And I think so many Travis records are so good. I think they're one of the most underrated bands in the UK, not least because they continued to make good records after people really stopped listening to them in the same numbers that they had been previously. And this is taken from a later album of theirs. Um, this was one of the last songs that I think was really kind of a hit, a big hit for them or any kind had any kind of impingement onto the public consciousness, which is a shame. It comes from their album, The Boy With No Name, mm. which came out in 2007. I think this is such a, a, a shimmering little track. I, I, they, they have a habit of making songs... They had another one called Coming Around, which was not dissimilar. Um, and uh, I just think that they, they managed to make perfect songs in about three or four minutes. It just makes such perfect sense. And I think this is definitely one of them. This is the brilliant Travis and this is My Eyes. Sin, 
It's a sin We're birds of a feather Are welcome to Land on you Listening to a Parish Council production.